Well, greetings and blessings to you in Jesus' name. Now, we're going to try something a little different for these next few months. And instead of having sermon series that are based on books of the Bible or particular topics, we're going to pick some themes that are drawn from the traditional spiritual disciplines of the church. These are time-honored practices that grow faith and enrich the lives of believers. The goal is to see how these disciplines honor what we're taught in the Bible and also give us practical ways to, to live them out in our modern lives. Now, to help with the practical part, we're going to add something new. We have our services that uh, we'll explore. We have my overflow posts, which we'll be focused on it this month. But I'll also add uh, twice a month some little sessions where we can learn some very simple and accessible ways to carry out some of these disciplines for those who are interested. While we're online, that'll mean through Zoom if you want to participate or be able to just watch through a YouTube stream. Uh, though we hope that it won't be too much longer before the options to, to gather together uh, get a little easier for us. In February, our theme is practicing the presence of God. And so to start things off today, we'll explore what that is, what the Bible tells us about why it matters. And we'll also look at how anybody can begin to do this today if they wish to do so. So in her excellent book, The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Adele Calhoun begins to describe this good spiritual habit that we're talking about. And she writes that we all live our lives in the presence of God. In fact, we cannot not live our lives in the presence of God. In letters to Malcolm, chiefly on prayer, C.S. Lewis wrote that we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere, incognito. Yet, Calhoun continues, we become so preoccupied with the to-do list and so overwhelmed by the pace of life that we forget to look for God sightings in our day. In her book, The God Hunt, Karen Maines suggests that practicing the presence is like going on a God hunt. In a way, we keep our soul awake to God, and God can jump out at us at any time and say, boo, here I am. The question is, are we paying attention? So we're not starting these monthly themes with something extremely complex or which demands that you spend weeks in silent retreat to achieve some spiritual high. Going on a God hunt is about living your life much like you otherwise would, but training yourself to look for and recognize and respond to the presence of God in the midst of it all. There's a 17th century French monk named Brother Lawrence who's often associated with this practice. He has a book called The Practice of the Presence of God that includes his thoughts and observations from others about his life. Because he learned to live life in an ongoing communion with Jesus, where every simple and mundane task was something that he felt that he did with Jesus while having this constant ongoing conversation with him. Brother Lawrence didn't like devotional books or rules or systems to try to get closer to God. Instead, he trained himself essentially to think of nothing but God. He wrote, I make it my business to rest in Christ's holy presence, which I keep myself in by habitual, silent, and secret conversation with God. This often causes in me great joys and raptures inwardly, and sometimes also outwardly, so great that I am forced to use means to moderate them and prevent their appearance to others. Now, Brother Lawrence was a pretty unique individual. I don't think I could ever develop a discipline of the mind to this extent. 
mean, even if I didn't have kids and a multitasking kind of job and just really worked in a kitchen of a monastery most of the time, like Brother Lawrence did. But that doesn't mean that you and I can't take some good steps in a, in a wise direction. Because in our demanding and distracting world, there is this constant danger that we will allow God to be drowned out altogether. And we will rarely think about God or the things of God unless there's an emergency. And then our faith can become something less than it should be or that it could be. Just a series of things we believe intellectually or a series of rules we believe that good and moral people follow or a series of religious tasks that we do because that's what good church members do. If these kinds of things don't flow out of any kind of regular connection to God and communion with God, well, then this is really a dead or dormant form of faith. And that, that's a tragedy because the Bible calls us to a relationship with God that is alive, one that burns bright with hope, faith, and love. So let's look at Colossians 3. 1 to 4. It's a, it's a short passage, so I'm going to read it in both the Christian Standard Bible translation and shortly after that in the message paraphrase. Starting with the, the CSB, it says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And I'll break that down a bit more shortly, but for now, notice what is repeated twice in just the first two verses. Seek the things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's at the heart of what we are talking about, and it's meant also to be an ongoing action. A slightly better translation might be, Keep setting your minds on things above. Now, let me read it to you again in the message paraphrase, where it says, So, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life of Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed by the things that are right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is, seeing things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up to the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity in Christ. So this is written to those who have been raised with Christ. We're talking about someone who's had an experience or recognition of God, who has put their faith then in Jesus. One way the New Testament describes responding to God, becoming a follower of Jesus in this way, is that we spiritually die to our old selves and we are raised with Jesus. A new resurrection life, as the message paraphrase puts it. And this passage says something interesting. Paul writes that Christ is your life. He says something similar in his letter to the Philippians. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The message puts it, your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. That's an important starting place. Because it challenges us to think about what faith means to us. 
Is Jesus kind of just an add-on to our lives? Is faith a commitment we made once upon a time, but that doesn't change much about how we live life day to day? Or is that faith central to life? I think saying Christ is my life, that is a marvelous and heavy thing to aspire to. But we need to understand that Jesus' offer of eternal life isn't simply about going to heaven someday. It's about starting a new life with Jesus that begins immediately and never ends. Jesus guides and sustains that life and is the source of hope and joy within it. 1 John 5, 12, uh, 11 and 12, it says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So for those who've made it their desire to give their unconditional yes to Jesus and who live accordingly, or who want to live accordingly at least, the instruction here is look up. Or as I mentioned, keep looking up might be better. To really live this new life, this life in Christ, you have to set your mind on him. You need to keep giving attention to God and not let it be utterly consumed by all the other things going on around you. One scholar described this kind of living as being dominated by the pattern of heaven, bringing heavenly direction to their earthly duties. Another scholar simplifies it a bit and says, keep your feet on earth, but your minds in heaven. This does not mean becoming some kind of spacey person who is so busy pondering the glory of God, they can't remember that they need to go to the grocery store sometimes and pay their bills on time. It means that you give attention to God even as you are grocery shopping or while you're paying the bills, that you would seek direction from God in everyday situations. Or as one Catholic priest put it, uh, kind of trying to get it down to its simplest, you ask Jesus, hey, you want to go with? You want to go with? me to the store and help give me your perspective on the people and situations I might encounter there? You want to go with me on this walk? I'll give you some quiet space and you can say something you might need to say to me. You want to go with? You know, I'm going to make this phone call. I'm going to go to this meeting. I want to say things that will please you. So be with me. This was a very new concept in the ancient world where Paul lived and where he wrote his letters to his churches. Because the pagan religions of this day, they did not have much to say about personal morality. Okay, you just kind of showed up from time to time, you know, bowed uh, down to the idol, put the offering on the altar, and then you went back to living your life however you wanted, just hoping that that act of worship was going to earn you something. Maybe that God would help you out at some point because of it. But you didn't think that the idol went with you or that it really cared about most of the things that you did or said. The Christian way was and is very different, teaching us that we're united to Christ, that we're sharing in his life in a way that helps us to follow in his example. It's not a transaction where we give a little something in the hope of getting something back. It is a transformation where we give ourselves to God and he helps shape us into the people where we were created to be before sin entered in and corrupted everything. Now, it's worth remembering here that it is possible to participate in church life. It's possible to be part of Christian religion and still worship just like a pagan. That's what some people do. But if you want to worship like a Christian, well, you have to keep looking up. Practice that presence of God.
So what does that look like? How do we keep looking up with our minds in heaven even while our feet are firmly planted on earth? And the, the answer is mostly just by doing it. Calhoun writes that practicing the presence is a way of living into a deeper awareness of God's activity in our lives. Through many small pauses, we begin a habit of turning our heart toward God. Through these acts of attention, we express our intention to live in union with Christ. Before we pick up the phone, we might say, Lord, here I am, help me listen. As concerns cross our desk, we might hold up a hand and turn that concern over to God before we move on. Practicing the presence of Christ is simply a way to love him and stay connected to him throughout the day. Brother Lawrence, in his book, once asked a superior of his to encourage a young man who was a soldier to practice the presence of God this way. He said, let him think of God as often as he can, especially when he's in the greatest danger. Just a little lifting up of the heart is enough. A little remembrance of God, one act of inner worship, even though it is during a march with a sword in hand, is sufficient. Such prayers, however brief, are very acceptable to God. Far from diminishing a soldier's courage in times of danger, they actually serve to fortify it. Let him think of God as often as he can. Let him gradually develop within himself this small but sacred practice. Nobody notices it. Nothing is easier than to repeat these little internal adorations often during the day. Recommend to him, if you please, that he be mindful of God as often as he can in the manner I have mentioned. See, it really is that simple, which doesn't mean that it's easy. Because it's, in fact, much easier to go through a whole day or even a whole week without remembering to practice the presence of God. But there are some ways that you can remind yourself to look up. You could choose some specific task or activity in your day where you always try to acknowledge God and offer a short prayer or have a time of quiet. And that could be in the shower or your commute or while you're walking the dog. For me lately, it's, I've been trying to look up uh, when I've been rocking a snotty baby back to sleep or sitting at the bedside of my preschooler who's you know, struggling to figure out how to go to sleep on her own in this stage. Sometimes I'll say the Lord's Prayer or I'll just say a word about my day. Sometimes I drift off to sleep too, but rest is actually also a spiritual discipline. So you're, you know, you're covered either way. You can also, instead of specific activities, just think of little cues in your day that will act as reminders to look up and acknowledge God, invite him into your day, express thanks to him. And actually many of you already have one of these. Right? You, you stop and you say grace before you eat. But you could think of other cues that would help you to practice the presence of God. It, growing up in my family, one cue that we had was when you were going to go on a long car trip. That signaled that we'd first stop and, and have prayer. But it could be whenever you enter or leave your house, that just triggers something to, to acknowledge God. If you stop at a red light, every time you send a text message, whatever it is that would just cause you to go, God is with me. God, here you are. Some people also find value in using apps or timers or choosing certain hours of the day to remind them. You want to find something that works with the flow of your life. And you don't want a complicated system because that will let you down in the end. Simple, memorable, doable are the things that you want to have as a good start. And also, just a word to not succumb to shame or feelings of defeat if you find it really hard to get started. 
if you know if you have one good day, but then you miss several. Uh, you, you're not winning points or making God love you anymore by doing this. You're trying to give attention to God because he's worthy of it. And he is patient with us in our efforts. Doing a little bit when you weren't doing anything is a huge win. You know, if you were uh, doing a little bit more reliably instead of just occasionally, well, that will make a difference in how your days play out after a while. And doing it steadily, that will add a lot of life to your life. A couple of weeks back, Amy and I watched the relatively new movie on, on Netflix called Don't Look Up. And it's about some astrophysicists who discover that a planet-killing asteroid is headed right for Earth. And they try to warn everybody, but nobody with power or influence seems to care very much. They don't want to acknowledge the threat at all at first, and they remain so totally self-interested and self-obsessed after that that they risk the entire planet. And in order to try to rally everyone to her side, the, the fictional president of the United States launches this campaign to encourage her supporters, don't look up. You know, just pretend that everything is fine, even though this asteroid was plainly visible in the sky at that point. Just don't look up. And you know, seven or eight years ago, the premise of this movie would have seemed so ridiculous, but when I look at the state of politics and media today, the willingness of people to believe nonsense in order to be loyal to their particular tribe, it really only starts to seem like a moderate exaggeration. But I'm, I'm digressing a little bit. I guess what I want to reflect on is that in our passage today, we're being asked to just look up, just see the big picture, not just the things right in front of you in this moment. Because if you follow Jesus, he is your life. So pay attention to him. Just look up from time to time. And watch out from those things or those people who are saying to you, don't look up. Because we have a spiritual enemy, Satan, who does not mind at all if we call ourselves Christians or if we attend church faithfully. Not if we're so totally distracted and entertained or media obsessed that we never actually practice the presence of God. I mean, he knows that that will cause us to be anxious, to be unhelpful to the kingdom, and to be poor examples of Jesus in the world. And that, that is no threat to him at all. Don't be surprised, therefore, if you start trying to practice the presence of God and suddenly you get thrown extra distractions or struggles or new attention-deflecting issues pop into your week. Things will try to keep you from this goal. And it's not just random. Sometimes it is intentional. But just keep trying. Because God loves when you turn your heart back to him. No matter how many failed attempts there have been, no matter how many long breaks there have been in between, you don't have to perform. God is good. God loves you as his son or daughter. Just look up and be blessed to connect to your God. And on that note, would you, would you join me in a word of prayer? God, you are here. You are good you love us. Your son gave his life so that we can have new life in him. Help us to remember this and give you attention through our day so that we will better know you and be the people that you've called us to be. Bless us with your presence when we seek it and help us to find joy and peace and opportunities to serve when we remember to look up to you as often as we can. Amen.